0: Welcome to the Unite DFW podcast, conversations with people like you who are contributing to the greater good. Their stories will inform and equip you to join in because if we all do our part, everyone will flourish.
1: Hello, everybody. It's good to have you with us again. Today, I have with me a special friend, Reward Sabanda. Thanks for joining us today, Reward.
0: Thanks for having me, Rebecca. And I love the way you said Sabanda. That's very there's Africanism in you. So Oh
1: yeah. Did I did I do it good?
0: Oh, you killed it. <laughs> okay, good.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm real excited for people to hear your story today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad you're giving us this time, but I want to just jump right into it because I know your time is precious um mm-hmm. what would you like to tell people about kind of where you came from the the origins of your story
0: no thank you so much for that that question so i'm um originally from uh, Bulawayo, Gobulawayo in zimbabwe you know right now we have settled my wife and i pam and i we've settled settled in dallas but uh that's very different from uh the ten thousand miles <laughs> east of here where we kind of come from and uh we had a very interesting uh, upbringing because i am uh, a child number 11 of 13 that's same mom same dad hey so oh. uh, <laughs> so it comes with uh, with some very interesting aspects to it and so that is my origins context uh, the rest of my family is all over the world but i somehow managed to land in uh, in Dallas texas and i think i'm all the better for it
1: wow Well, Dallas is better for it, for you, for you coming out here. That is amazing. I can't believe. I hope you and Pam have gotten started on your, your litter of children.
0: That is, (laughs) we are working on it. We're actually, (laughs) we're both Enneagram sevens. So we finally decided, okay, now we got to start having the conversation.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So tell me about that. What was that like to grow up with so many brothers and sisters?
0: No, absolutely. So um, basically, my, my dad was a subsistence farmer. And so which made the whole family subsistence farmers. And and if you think about it, the logic in his day and age of having so many children was that right, mm. they would get to help yeah. kind of run the farm and everything. So we, we lived off, off of the land. And I know, like, um, when I came to Texas, just with the whole US history, the, there was such a value for that, right? when people lived off of uh, the earth and everything, there was such Mm -hmm. a cultural value for it. But growing up there, though, when you lived off of the land, it meant you were at the whims of basically the the natural forces, right? The Hmm. Lord himself, whether it's rain or it's drought. So just before I came along, there was a severe drought. My, My family, I think it lasted for about two or three years. My family never really caught up. Wow. So yeah, growing up, we really didn't have that much because right once you miss a year's cycle when it comes to all those things then uh, the rest of it is um is a little complicated now we were poor right by any objective measure and means but we just never felt poor rebecca mm. that was the thing because i think at its core poverty is subjective and i think the one place and the one space where i always felt poverty or where i always felt poor the in, the in the area of insignificance, right? Yeah. It, and w- when you have no choice, you don't choose what you wear, you don't choose your career. Mm-hmm. So, and what I mean by that is the family gets together and they decide what you're going to be, which is in the best interest of the family. Then everybody mm-hmm. throws in and uh, they, for, if, if it's, if you're like, I want to be a lawyer, right? Everybody throws in for the first four years and then afterwards, right? You're on your own and- uh, <laughs> so that that's essentially how they do that even in the raising the funny thing is uh within that the context uh child number 1 and 2 right are raised by the parents they put everything in raising child number 1 and 2 and then afterwards child number 1 raises child number 3 wow so when you get to number 11 right uh, that's what i meant like i just never felt like i had a firm thumbprint on my destiny Uh right i never felt like um i had a choice on deciding what i was who i was because if you think about it everything from our clothes to all those are expressions of our individuality Mm -hmm. and if that's taken away from you so i would say the one thing that um growing up i really struggled with was a sense of um of of identity a sense of significance right knowing that you matter, knowing that you bring a unique uh, contribution to the world, which is worth you, like really digging in and doing the hard work of becoming better. Mm -hmm. That never existed for me. I never felt a sense of it up until I came to the US. Okay, So yeah, that was an interesting way to grow up, let's say.
1: Wow. Well, you know, knowing you for a few years, you would never know that you started out in that kind of environment or that you ever felt that way as a child, you really, you have such a presence about you and you have, you know, you basically haven't let anybody put limits on you. I don't know, (laughs) you know, I, I want to say your parents did something right or your older brothers and sisters did. Um, but I just see you saying yes to God and just following where he leads without fear and just putting it all out there
0: wow no thank you so much for <laughs> that thank you and i think i think uh, the thing is when i came to the us right i got thrown into christ for the nations which is as diverse a a a background as you can be thrown into so christ for the nations is a mission school missions centric or focused school right here in dallas texas so they bring in people from a lot of developing or majority world contexts and they scholarship them for about 2 years And then those people go back and contribute in their originating context. Ah. So I think that kind of being um, thrown into that much diversity, right. Mm -hmm. into such a cosmopolitan um, uh, environment. And then on top of that, like, right. The U S in a sense has its own pace and you got to catch up with it. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think that more than anything in those initial two years is a, what may have uh, shaped a lot of what you see you see today the values were there from the parents but Mm -hmm. yeah the the social expression of it I think was was fine-tuned there.
1: Wow okay so there's a couple things that are I think really interesting one I don't know if a lot of people know but DFW is one of the most diverse metropolitan areas I don't know maybe in the world but for sure in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm several years ago uh, there were over 200 languages spoken here I don't know wow. I don't know if there's more now um, but there's a lot of diversity the whole world really has come to DFW um mm-hmm. and you know they all come for different reasons we receive more refugees than most other countries amazingly enough just in DFW um, you know, there's there's people coming to our city and our neighborhoods for lots of different reasons for work or school like you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know how many people really take advantage of that beautiful blessing that we have to really be around people from other cultures mm-hmm. and you know diverse backgrounds and all that. Would you say that that might be a good thing for someone to do if they were, just really inspired by your story and thought, gosh, you know, coming from that kind of background now he's, you know, wow. he's just been shaped by that. Yeah. Is that something you would encourage?
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, I think before um, Rebecca, what I feel like, um, I think before the last five years, right. If I can be uh, generous diversity, and the celebration and digging into the hard work of, of diversity and unity in diversity, I feel like was an elective, right? Mm-hmm. You could afford to kind of do your own thing, your own mission, your God-given assignment, and just occasionally and courteously rub shoulders with people from all over the world. But the confluence of events that have now shaped the cultural ethos that we now exist in, whether in mission, ministry, or otherwise, um, begs you know a different approach Mm -hmm. so i think now you can't um ignore right the issues of of social um, justice Mm -hmm. that exist in any and every context now you can't ignore the refugees now you can't ignore you know the different cultures and everything they're not coming and being integrated into our culture now no i think now they 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 have they need a space and a place at the table, mm. doing all those things. So I think to everybody watching this, I would say it's it's a better approach to lean into it because we can't ignore it anymore. So if there's anything that my story can do to inspire you is to jump into that, right? Because you might unlock someone, you know, and their 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 path, and their destiny, and everything. So
2: mm. yeah,
1: wow. You know, I. I know you're right in that the challenges of our time really are, are much more in our face than they were. You said five years ago, I don't know exactly when I -hmm. would have said that that change happened. I do remember observing 10 years ago, maybe 15 when we went to Africa, I actually, we were in South Africa and I made a comment to Ryan that, you know, racial issues here in South Africa are very out in the open yep. but in America at that time we still were just like you know nobody talked about it, That's it. <laughs> so That's it, it. it has yeah. changed a lot since then <laughs> but right. I'm yeah. thinking more not out of obligation and not mm-hmm. out of you know not out of a not even a social justice perspective mm-hmm. the assets that the immigrants that are in our communities bring Mm, I just don't know if people really appreciate that and I'd love to encourage people to do that Mm. Uh, the way Ryan and I have done it is we have basically become friends with a whole bunch of international students at UTD there's a college basically in all our our cities here in DFW probably that have a big population of international students Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. fun way. It's an easy way. They're eager to get to know Americans. So is there anything else if, if somebody was like, well, how do I do that? Like, what is, do you have some ideas for people?
0: Absolutely. I, 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 I have two actually compelling ones and I'm going to flip and, and interview you in a second because you and Ryan have embodied both of those values and those strategies, like, oh my gosh, like no one I've ever seen, right? I think the first thing is that in every cultural context outside of the West or the U.S., it's life happens around the table. Love happens around Mm. the table, right? Across every culture and context, there is a table. The family gathers around the table and that's where they they eat. That's where they fight. That's where they resolve issues. That's where they celebrate each other. That's Mm. where they do that. And what I love the most about the first time we had a conversation with you and Ryan, and when you guys told me the mission that the Lord had given you guys, right. It was that it was to set a table for international students, right. Who might not necessarily know the culture. Yeah. You guys would help them out, kind of give them rides, whatever. But the fact that on a weekly basis, there was a table for them to gather Mm -hmm. around, I feel like was the greatest strategy. So the first thing I would say to, 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 to people is, of create a table, right? Create a table. The table is always the strategy. I still remember uh, just being the associate pastor at the upper room uh, over 2020. So 2020 was was, was a very div- divisive year because mm-hmm. there was the the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. On top of that, there was uh, the culmination of all the racial, right? Um, issues in mm-hmm. our nation. And then on the back end of that, there was an extremely polarizing election, Mm-hmm. So I was tasked within my, my my context. Back then I wasn't the associate. I was the kingdom and culture pastor mm. at the Upper Room. Now the Upper Room is very unique in the sense that it's it's about 1500 people that go to church on Sunday, but our cultural footprint by God's grace and his favor across all our social uh, of our social platforms is about a million. That's the reach. What? And so that means we're in this really unique position to where the the givers and the most contributing people have never set foot inside the walls of our church
2: wow
0: so but they i mean they they lean into the conversations they contribute they consider their church you know whenever something is going down they'll be like hey i've never been in dallas never been out of my state (laughs) but can you write me a pastor's recommendation because you guys are who i listen to and everything so it's a very unique context so when when those three things, those three storms, those three Goliaths kind of came, mm-hmm. I was tasked with uh, the challenge of being our kingdom and culture pastor. And mm-hmm. basically that means wherever the God's kingdom and our culture intersect, mm-hmm. my job was to help um, a lot of our demographics, which were completely diverse mm-hmm. and right across the world and not just in a in North America, navigate, come up with a framework to navigate what that essentially looks like. And so I still remember, I was like, how do you, how do you unite right, left and right, black Mm -hmm. and white? How do you, Mm -hmm. what is the strategy? I went into prayer and I was reading the word and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me it's, it's the table, right? Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's the table. So basically what we would do is um, we would show up every week. And we would set a table, uh, Rebecca, and then uh, whatever it is, we would watch a controversial video. If there was a shooting, the church would watch it, right? And then after that, around the room, we would all process our emotions, raw emotions, right? Anger and incredulity, whatever it is, whatever emotions. And then we would all bring collective thought and conversations around it. Then after that, we would pray and break bread and and take communion together, Mm -hmm. And that really kept not just the nucleus of our community at the upper room, the people that were in that room, mm-hmm. but it resonated so strongly across, right? Even the, uh, the periphery of those that uh, we had pastors kind of going, we love your strategy. We've implemented oh. it. So that to me is the fact that I've seen that the table, if you can set a table, But I don't know if I can counter ask you that question, but you and Ryan started setting the table, which Mm -hmm. was the first strategy. And I know this, I don't know if you have time to tell it to the people, but I heard beautiful stories of what God did and how he worked in the lives of international students. So (laughs) would you, would you agree with that strategy of the table? And would you have some stories to say as to why you guys use that and did that strategy?
1: Well, you make us sound so strategic, but (laughs) (laughs) to be honest, and I I think this will actually be helpful for people to to look at it this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was right after we had moved home to the Dallas area, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: I was starting UNITE at that time, Mm -hmm. but we were looking for a way for our family to get involved in a ministry at our church, Mm -hmm. and I joined the community impact team, I think is what they were calling it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were about three people on the team that just kept talking about international students. And finally, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? (laughs) And so they explained (laughs) it to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so perfect for the way um, God really made, made me and Ryan and just the experiences he's given us. Wow, And our boys, I guess this was 13 years ago. So our boys would have been like 9 and 11 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so this was an opportunity to expose them to, you know, young adults from around the world um, that really are going to be go back and be future leaders in their countries, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed like this was made for our family, like just a a really unique opportunity. Um, and so we, we, I think we started with what they call friendship partners where we had, um, I think we had three girls the first year and we would invite them to family gatherings, invite them to church on holidays. So they could see that, um, sporting events for the boys, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so they just, watched our life. We, we tried to look for opportunities to bring them into our lives and let them see American culture and an American family. And really they're curious about Christianity too. And so, um, that was, that was exciting, but we also saw another side of this ministry, which is where it's what you're talking about, where you invite, basically you open up your home and and you invite students to come mm-hmm. and there's probably 10 homes coming from UTD where students can go. And so it's just kind of whoever shows up at your house, that, that oh, first right. meeting. um, And we had, I, I want to say we had like 20 or 25 students that first week. And it was honestly kind of overwhelming for me because I'm an introvert. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, what did we do? Yeah. But I, I, I can't even tell you how special that first year was. We had seven students, Mm -hmm. um, a really good mix of of boys and girls. I mean, they're young adults, so men and women. Um, And they were all from China, I believe, because that's where the majority of the students were coming from at that time. Um, But we got so close with them. They all just were dedicated to this time and they just kept coming back. And so we basically adopted them into our family. And we still, (laughs) with two of the girls, we're still just extremely, extremely close. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a very special ministry that, you know, it's a big commitment for the host, especially if you do what we did, which is a little bit out there. (laughs) You know, we were having them in our home almost every week for For some of the years, yeah. uh, I would probably recommend you rotate homes because that's <laughs> a lot. Um, but you could also, you know, volunteer to cook and give yeah. rides and just get to know the students and help make the ministry happen without, you know, diving all the way into what we did.
0: Wow! Absolutely, and you know the funny thing is that plays perfectly into the second thing. Okay. Because the 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 strategy of the table like that, like cre- opening your doors and creating a place and a space to where they can come in. Mm. I mean, I I we went out and we broke bread with um with you and Ryan one time, and I mm-hmm. would uh, the stories. I mean, we could be here all day. What <laughs> that looks like, but but the second aspect of it is that like partnerships, right? Partnering with. Mm. Organizations and people that have made this their life mission, that have been given the grace by God and the Mm -hmm. strategies to kind of build something. That's why, from day one, from Jump, I loved Unite. I love the vision of it. I love that beyond being its own ministry, which it does phenomenal work in, right? The operative um, strategy was uniting people who are doing things well. Mm -hmm. So I know, Rebecca, you have a page, right? A compendium of resources to where if people really wanted to dive in and say, we want to tackle this head first, we want to be the kingdom, right? We Uh want to celebrate and engage diversity at a visceral level, right? You literally have made it your life work to come up with a page of resources (laughs) on how they can partner with various organizations, right? That kind of fan out and all those things. So that's the second thing that I would do. Like number one, right, on a personal level, open your, 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 your doors, mm-hmm. set a table. But beyond that, don't try to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this, find a resource partner that does what your heart burns to do. And that's been doing it. And that does it well. And then just throw your resources and yourself and, and, and your networks and everything you mm-hmm. can at that. So to me, those are the two things that I would say to people specifically.
1: Okay, great. So Reward, you're you're talking about a couple of things. I think the the main thing you're referring to that I think most people would be interested to take a look at is uh, the page where we have all the different volunteer opportunities, mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're right, this is sort of a life's work. We've we've consulted with experts on the different challenges to holistic flourishing is the way we say it. So However, people's lives are, you know, not humming along, um, we refer mm-hmm. to that kind of as a challenge to holistic mm-hmm. flourishing. And that could look a lot of different ways, of course, but we work with people that know how to solve those kind of problems and walk alongside people. And they basically tell us how others can get involved to be part of the solution. And so we take all that information. And we put it in the form of either volunteer opportunities or, you know, if they need donated supplies, we put those out there. Mm -hmm. Or if they say really people need to be trained, they need to learn how to walk alongside somebody else in some way, then we put training opportunities out there. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought that out because, you know, a lot of people get that burden in their heart to Mm – to address one of those challenges. And so they decide I'm going to take sandwiches to the park. That's right. And that is so sweet and it's so genuine and wonderful. But Mm -hmm. like you said, there are ministries that they're devoting their life to this and they know the Mm -hmm. unintended consequences of things that, you know, us regular people, we have no idea. Like what are, you know, what, what's, right. What's the right thing to do here. And That's right. they have a lot of times they have wraparound ministries or they have partnerships with other organizations so that, you know, it's not just feeding someone right then. Yeah. It's, it's really bringing them to the table, like you mentioned, and, right. uh, yeah. into a space where they can help them with other areas of their life that they might need help with and, uh, mm-hmm. bring them into a space where they can also be contributors. So whatever that yeah. That might look like, but that's hard to do as an individual just out there, you know, yes. on our yes. own. We can build relationships, and I do want to Sorry. encourage people to do that. But mm-hmm. if we want to serve and really help address challenges like that, yeah. then I highly recommend people tap into this amazing network of mm-hmm. nonprofits, church based ministries, even come alongside the the government programs like public school and, yeah. um, you know, family protective services, things like that.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: they're on the front line of a lot yeah. of these challenges that people want to see addressed. Yeah. And really, they need they need the community to come alongside them. So
0: that's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: I, it's, yeah. it's such a neat.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: World that we get to kind of play around in and spend our day in. Most people don't know that any of that exists, but we're trying to make it accessible.
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, too, if I may shamelessly plug you um, a couple more times (laughs) when it comes to that, Rebecca, because first of all, um, we take our, our intentions, right? Our good intentions. Then we're like, all right, I feel motivated. I need to move. I need to do something but the very nature of extending your hand to give someone something is in itself an incentive. It incentivizes something. So if you don't understand the nuance of that, it might incentivize a, you know, a, um, a panhandling lifestyle, or it Mm. might incentivize, but when you give someone something, it speaks something specifically. And what I like about, um, all the organizations that I've seen on, on, on your resource and on your page, is that they're carefully vetted for this one thing. They're not just meeting a need, but they are positioned and postured to actually strike at the root of the issue, Mm. right? Whether it's poverty, whether it's homelessness, whether, I still remember uh, one of the initiatives, uh, Rebecca, that you, you brought us into and it blew my mind. Wide open was the cost of poverty experience. Right, mm-hmm. it wasn't just everybody feels like they have an understanding of poverty. It's like you, you throw money at the problem, right? And we do that well intentioned. But what I loved about it, it is it was a a visceral plunge into the very into the hopelessness, mm-hmm. right, of self amplifying loops of addiction and poverty and everything. To where at the end of it you're going, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I never knew and I never thought. But what I love about that is you guys have done the hard work of, of vetting the philosophies of all these organizations and all these uh, partners. And so if there's almost a safety to where if you find it on that page, you know, for a fact that it's committed to dealing with the psychology of whatever issue you're dealing with and that there's um, they're responsible and that there's accountability Mm -hmm. when it comes to them. So that's i cannot stress, i cannot stress the importance of this enough it genuinely is a one stop shop and it's not just poverty mm-hmm. everything that your heart may have um you know where you feel a tug from the lord and he's saying there's a sense of mission you will find on there so
1: yeah I- i'm i'm glad you love it so much cuz a lot of um energy has gone into that process but i do want to clarify really, we're relying on the experts in the community to to connect us with those organizations that mm-hmm. need to be highlighted. And so our page really is that curated list of the things that the experts say, if you do this, that's going to make an impact. It's not just going to, you know, like you said, address one, a one-time need. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, advocates social justice advocates would say we're really getting at the root of the problem i don't know like yeah. there, this is so complex and mm. there are a lot of things upstream that we aren't necessarily tackling in every mm. way um mm. so i don't want to overstate that i don't want people to think you know <laughs> if they do if they volunteer <laughs> in this way that's that's the root because it really is it's hard to find the root in a lot of these yeah
0: yeah no and and obviously too like uh poverty has a lot of the complexities right Mm -hmm. and and i think for me there's two things there's resolution right we want to end global poverty by blah 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 blah, blah, or (laughs) we want to fix the refugee crisis by blah 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 blah. Uh there's that right that lofty goal that's never what i'm talking about i feel like If poverty is generationally entrenched, right, Mm -hmm. then it is going to take generational partnerships moving forward. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I can hope for and that I can vouch for when I'm talking about this Particular, the particular partners that I've seen on your page mm-hmm. is that they're at least facing the same direction. Yeah, they are. And I so. think if anybody who is engaging in issues that are greater than themselves, mm-hmm. right, deeply entrenched issues, that w- I feel like we should recalibrate the win and say the win is: are we at least firing at the same enemy, right? right. Whether we take him out or not, or if uh-huh. it's a three generations deep and right. that to me is what i'm talking about like when you yeah. go there the heart of the partners their their missiology right is at least not uh, creating a perverse incentive to mm. where we are giving towards the problem right as opposed to towards the solution yeah. So, yeah
1: that's great that's a great point um and that is why i think this work is very exciting not that the average person will really connect with this but i think that idea of everybody pulling in the same direction because a Mm -hmm. lot of times the things we don't agree on, Mm -hmm. we're basically working against each other. So we're sort of canceling each other out. But if we can figure out, you know, what are we, what is a shared goal that we can come around and can we all pull in that direction Mm -hmm. and bring everybody to the table that Mm -hmm. cares about this thing? And really God has put it on their heart to do something about it. Can we, all kind of agree we're Mm going to do this together because I think that is a key missing ingredient Mm -hmm. and a thing that will really kind of change the tide you mentioned that phrase a minute ago Mm -hmm. the other thing is relationships that goes back to what you were speaking about about immigrants as well um it's not just about you know, hearing somebody talk from a stage, like that's, that's right. not the transformational thing. Um, and really, you know, you can only be transformed so much if really you're always coming as a giver. You you feel like you're always the one, you know, volunteering your time or doing whatever. Like I think relationships in a kind of a mutually beneficial place where, Everybody realizes all of us experience some level of brokenness yeah. and everyone has something to contribute. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just beautiful. And like I said, it's just a joy that I get to see that at the level I get to see it at. Yeah. And I'm glad you're enjoying it too, because anything we can do to, you know, make your life enjoyable. I, that's a good mission for me I'm I'm all in for that
0: absolutely and I want to understand and and I want to emboss and underline that one statement everybody can do something yeah and so fun time
1: everybody can do something to to really bring reward joy because he is he's killing it out there Uh. (laughs) I'm just teasing but yeah I think you know, you mentioned your social media reach at your church and that's pretty incredible. I don't know what all that entails, but mm. pretty much all of us have a network.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: some, you know, have a network at work or at school. Some are on social media a lot. They have a social media network and whatever your sphere is, maybe it's your neighborhood. Um, maybe it's just your family. Mm-hmm. Really, what can we do to be thinking creatively about how we can live our faith out mm-hmm. in all those spheres? You talked about the kingdom
2: yeah. that
1: that is sort of obscure to a lot of people. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But really, it's about living out God's values and looking for places oh, where good. we can help others flourish. It's that's about, cool. you know, not always just being about ourselves, basically. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You know, an an incredible um, when it comes to the kingdom, an incredible analogy ever or descript, descriptor to the kingdom I heard was, uh, as they're like, "What is the kingdom?" It's like, well, if we were to take your church and your church and your church, mm-hmm. right, and we were to knock all the walls down, right, all the walls, the things that make your your particular church or your denomination or whatever, if we're to knock the walls down,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Everybody agreed. They're like, yeah, your faith wouldn't stop there. But mm-hmm. so then how you then leave out, live out your faith mm-hmm. with the walls of your denomination, your church down, that is essentially the kingdom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then at that moment, it's like, oh, wait a second. Then if we knock the walls down for my church, then the donuts in the morning, right? I'm not just thinking about the donuts for the kids. I'm like, mm-hmm. what about, The other kids and everything so Mm -hmm. i think it's just taking the 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 virtues and the values of our particular faith and just mcdonald's supersizing the mess (laughs) out of that right and saying what does it look like on the outside yeah and 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 uh i I feel like a and a close enough term to what the kingdom feels like is when people say parachurch i mean we always use that the word parachurch almost like speaking to a level beneath the church. You mm. know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? It's yeah. like, well, there's the church ministry, but then there's a the parachurch ministry. right? And I'm like, nah, when I read about mm-hmm. the kingdom, when I read all the implications of the kingdom, when I look at Jesus's ministry, I feel like his reach felt more like parachurch mm-hmm. than it does your conventional church. So when mm-hmm. we take the church and we mix it with the parachurch, with the reach and the influence mm-hmm. of the parachurch, which in a lot of ways, socially, Parachurch organizations and ministries have more clout now and they have more credence and credibility with the community than churches have. Mm-hmm. So when you take those two and you mix them, I think we get closer to this obscure concept, which is called the kingdom, which mm-hmm. mandates an expressive living out of. So wow.
1: Yeah. That is that's such a good way to to put it in a good visual, I think. Um, I think a lot about the collective church and so where I thought you were going is we're going to knock down the walls and kind of be one church like we're supposed to be but the visual of us you know breaking down those barriers and just pouring out into the world Mm -hmm. is so powerful and I think you know basically the sky's the limit like
2: yes every
1: aspect if you just really intentionally think how can I do this thing I'm about to do in a way that helps others flourish?
2: That's right. I
1: really think that gets that pretty much covers everything you said. Poverty mm-hmm. is complex, and there's a lot of different aspects to it. I think, you know, another word that we could talk about is well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, poverty is basically an absence of well-being mm-hmm. in either financial well-being or physical. Emotional, relational, spiritual, vocational, all of those areas, we can either have, we can either be flourishing in all those areas or we can be impoverished in those areas. So if you really kind of think about people as whole people with all Mm -hmm. of those different aspects and you're thinking about how do I help other people flourish, that's what we're trying to get to. And I think you know, again, going back to your, your immigrant story, mm. um, there's, <laughs> I remember bringing a friend to, uh, I think I was picking up one of the boys at school and he's like, I didn't know your sons went to an international school. <laughs> 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 he he was actually from Africa. And so that's, <laughs> you know, that's a concept that's in other countries, but I was mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah this is just what our public schools are like they're they're very international um, so you know in our neighborhood at our workplace at our school we can go ahead and live out that that opportunity to advance mm-hmm. the kingdom around you know that that idea of learning from and and experiencing other cultures and all that but mm-hmm. I, I really think there are just so many opportunities that you um, if people were to look at life that way, yeah. I just can't even imagine what this Metroplex would be like. Because there's so many yeah. um, well-intentioned Christians to begin with, but well-intentioned non-Christians as well. Um, and you mentioned that the parachurch organizations in a lot of ways have more clout. Yeah, I think it's because people see them outside the four walls That's more than right. they really do. <laughs> Picture, you know <laughs> yeah. the organizations of that that the outside world sees as churches that's right. um those are generally kind of internally facing they yeah. may be sending their people out but the organization mm-hmm. itself is sort of internally facing a lot of times
0: that's exactly right that's exactly right and if you and if you think about it too right uh People adopt what is homogeneously theirs, right? Mm. So when you see this organization, yeah, it's one thing to where it's like, oh, that church has a food pantry, but then it always feels like a bait and switch sometimes because when you come in, then they preach the gospel and there's mm. virtue in all of those things. Yeah. But I think, I think it's different when they come to the, you like, right? Like the why, for example, right? Mm. Christian values, but that that has different things and so and you know like when you go to your page there's so many of them that kind of that kind of do that Mm -hmm. where the community is like if you were to like okay no that church no i don't belong to that church and i mean think of the 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 rhetoric do you belong to this particular church
2: Mm -hmm.
0: whereas every parish church or that i've seen right the language around it is no, we belong to the community. This <laughs> ministry serves this community, yeah, and so sweet. even that simple tweak in um in the rhetoric and in the language is mm-hmm. is very telling in a sense,
1: yeah, I love that, so I think it is about thinking about things differently and then talking about them differently. I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to get the impression that we're belittling the church organizations oh, no. because I think both of us are huge champions of the oh. church in particular that's unites primary audiences churches yeah. Yeah. because that's really um where we can get to the people who want to be making a difference in the world mm-hmm. um help we're helping churches basically help their people get out there and live out their faith that's uh it. in a nutshell right. and doing it in partnership with all of the other organizations we're talking about parachurch, but also all the governmental organizations and yes. um, really just nonprofits that aren't even parachurch. The businesses, you know, every sector of the city, I believe, has a role to play in right. helping the community flourish. And yeah. really, I think the church just needs to come alongside all those different
0: so sectors
1: true. and and just kind of lift them up. That's what we're on a mission to do, and it's really fun getting to do it alongside people like you, Reward. It's thank you. That's exciting to be able to introduce you to um, to people out there. So hopefully we'll be able to do it in person sometime soon. I don't know.
0: I know. You know, <laughs> I miss that. I miss that so much. <laughs> well,
1: I know, and I, you know, you and I can get together, and then you know, there's places where we could put you on a stage, but maybe we need to do a little pop up you know oh, coffee with
0: that'll be fun it's, it's, it's <laughs> long, overdue. <laughs> long overdue my friend
1: yeah well this was a lot of fun I feel like we could talk about a lot of different things a lot of different aspects of this idea um so maybe you'll have to come back pretty soon but uh yeah. I'd love for you to kind of meet some of the other people that I'm going to be interviewing over the next few months, because Mm -hmm. you're really all superstars. We didn't even get into what you do for your job, but I'm going to let people Google you uh, (laughs) because that's not really what we were here to talk about. And I, I think it might steal the show. So we're going to, we're going to leave them curious, but um, this was really fun. And I, I want to encourage people to go to unite dash dfw.org to find ways to really get out there and live out your faith and and foster flourishing for the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully you will tune back in to hear the next amazing person that really, they're just like you They're, you know, there's really reward when it comes down to it.
2: That's right. You
1: are just like everybody else. You're just mm-hmm. out there living out your faith and, wow. and, awesome ways. And I think yeah. any of us can do that. So
0: oh, that's so true.
1: thanks for brainstorming with us today. And oh, yeah. I do want to see you in person very soon. So let's make that happen.
0: Absolutely. And Rebecca, every single person that's ever crossed your path, is an interesting individual so if you do not mess with your knight i promise you <laughs> she, she has this whole the most interesting person in the world because you really people doing incredible things in our community gravitate towards you but i think it's because you hold them in the kingdom in such high esteem and mm. honor to where it it is it is such an honor to know you and to run with you and uh thank you so much for having me
1: yeah thank you reward Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: We want every community at DFW to have a group of Christians taking responsibility for its well-being. Visit our public-facing website at unite-dfw.org, where you can find training, serving, and giving opportunities near you. If you're a church or organization leader, visit us at unitethechurch.org to sign up for our e-news, find upcoming events, or to join a network of peers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Until next time. Have a blessed day.